Logical Progression, Year 1, Lesson 7. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, Allahumma salli wa sallim wa baraka nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in, Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta tajul al-hazna idha shi'u sahla, Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatika ya rabbil kareem, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wonderful to see you guys. Wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Uh, after thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give me this great opportunity to come see you guys again, I want to thank uh, Al Huda Institute, Dr. Idris, uh, which is a shame actually that he's not here to be honest. Um, he was one of my good friends, one of the few people that I will always, always come to see when I'm in Toronto. And uh, actually, I had salams from my own Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Ihlan, to pass on to Dr. Idris. Dr. Idris and my own teacher were classmates. Uh, studying under Sheikh uh, Abdul Ghaffar Hassan in Islamabad back in the day, back in the good old days. Um, so I wanted to, uh, it's a shame that he's not here, but alhamdulillah, it's good to be with you guys. I want to thank Qabilat uh, Majd, Zaid, and everyone else who's put this uh, together. I want to thank uh, my team back at home, mashallah, for doing such a great job, being able to create the same experience whilst I'm, you know, I don't know how many thousand miles away. Are we in a ghetto or are we not in a ghetto? We're not in the ghetto. Okay. Mr. Sagas escaped the ghetto, Yanni, and label. Khalas. What, who gets that? Scarborough and the. Uh, Res. Res- what? Uh, no, no, no. Brian, Brian Burke gets a great ghetto. Toronto Whipple Leafs gets the ghetto. Anyway, uh, I also want to give a big shout out to a couple of people. Uh, to Qabilit Nasr, who I had such a great weekend with just now in Calgary. I want to give a shout out to Hamza, to Omar, to Arif, to Monib, to Danish, to the wonderful brothers there who put on such a great, great effort for Protect This House. I want to give a very special uh, shout out to Dr. Um Musa. Um Musa, she's uh, been supporting a logical progression uh, in, a, in a wonderful way and I wanted to show my appreciation. I wanted to give a shout out to Qabila uh, Majd for this weekend. We've got Protect This House as well uh, and I hope to see most of you there. Anyone else we need to shout out? Do we need to shout out Brian Burke, Yani, for saving Toronto Maple Leafs from ignominy? No? Okay, خلاص do we need to shout out against the local fans, Yani? Give them some good news after their miserable performance on the weekend? No? Okay. Do we need to change our ruling with respect to the purity of their shirt, Yani? Or is that okay as well? Okay. Khalas. Alright, so where did we get to, folks? Where did we get to? Who has the actual notes? Don't tell me that you guys in Toronto don't even have notes either. Shaz, where are we? I think we are at the statement. Anyone can tell us? Purifying water. Purifying water. Is that where we're we at? Where we're at? Can we take the echo down a little bit? Yeah. Is that any of sisters? Anyone can help us? Because I've got absolutely no idea where we are. Yes. Three types of water. Three types of water. So we just said that basically. Um, did, did we did we cover the statement of Sheikh Uthameen La al Hadith, which in English would be okay? So there are three types of water. Number one, purifying water is the only type that lifts ritual impurity or removes foreign filth. It is water that is still in its original created state. Ah, okay, yeah, this is yeah, this is where we are. We're still discussing this point. This is good. Okay, خلاص. So on page uh, twenty-eight of Sharh uh, Mumtiah, which is Sheikh Uthaymin's Sharh. Uh, um, yes, that's right, now I remember. Okay, I know where we are. At the bottom of page 28. Sheikh, he says, 
the statement of the Mu'allif, the author, that it la yarfa' al-hadath actually means it doesn't, or uh, hadath, ritual impurity, is not lifted. Yes? That's what the, the statement actually means. But of course, this statens, sentence is within an Arabic sentence which is turned around the other way because uh, actually if you look at it, that the water is three, three types. The first one, if you look at it in the English, we've translated it in English or we've created a sentence that makes sense in English. In Arabic, it means something completely different. For example, just off the cuff, if I'm going to translate the Arabic statement literally word for word, it says, uh, purifying water, ritual impurity is not lifted, and impurity which suddenly appears is not removed except by it. Except by it. غيره, يعني, except by it meaning what? The purifying water. That's how you, if you're translating in Arabic literally, it, it says that. Now obviously that's confusing in English. So in English we kind of took out all the negatives. So, we, so we've taken the لا يرفعوا and لا يزيلوا. We've taken all of that out in the English translation so that it makes more sense. So the English now reads, purifying water is the only type that lifts ritual impurity or removes foreign filth. Okay, does that make sense? Do you understand the difference between translating literally and translating... Um, or rendering it into English. That's what I like to say. When we render into English, that's the sentence you get. Purifying water is the only type that lifts ritual impurity. Now, Sheikh Uthaymeen wants to make a point here. He wants to talk about the lifting of impurity. So now he, so he goes, he, he, he's basically saying, let's look at the claim of our, uh, of our author, uh, Al-Hajjawi, that only purifying water lifts the state of impurity. That's the claim. Anyone want to disagree with that? Anyone? What do you think? Anyone? What do you think about that statement? He's saying only pure water lifts the state of ritual impurity. Now we've spent a couple of weeks talking about hadith, meaning it's a ritual impurity, yes? We're not talking about dirt yet. We're not talking about najasa, we're talking about the state of ritual impurity. He's saying that only purifying, not just pure, pure and purifying water is the only thing which lifts the state of impurity. Anyone want to disagree with that? Yes. So what do you want to say about tayammum? Tayammum is a process. So dust, you want to say that it lifts impurity as well. Did you, did you, did you hear that everybody? The brother saying that, what about dust? So here's what Sheikh Uthameen says. He says, um, he first makes the point, which is obvious, but I'll repeat it. He goes, the, the, the author is saying that only purifying water will remove impurity. Therefore, if you use uh, petrol, benzene, if you use petrol, that's not going to clean it. Even though, of course, petrol is a better cleaner than water, as you know. Yes? By its very nature uh, of, of a cleansing agent. So anything, anything that you use other than water will not lift hadith. And so I want you to understand, let me give you a real life example. This is like, imagine you're making wudu. He's basically saying, unless you're using water for wudu, it's not going to cut it. So if you're using benzene or using cleaner or using X or Y for wudu, it's not going to work. It has to be pure and purifying water. And the, uh, and the evidence for that is his statement in Surah Al-Ma'idah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَمْ تَجْدُ مَاءً فَتَيَمَّمُوا And if you do not find water, then... Don't go to petrol, don't go to uh, 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 milk, whatever, make tiyammum. 
What do we make tayammum with? With turab, with dust, okay? Now what's very interesting is that despite the fact that the ayah very clearly says you, may, you lift your state of hadith using water, if not then you make tayammum. Despite saying that, the Hanbali madhab itself, the Hanbali madhab says no. That the, uh, 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 what's it called, the uh, dust, it does not lift it. So he says here, وَتُرَابْ فَتَيَمُّمْ عَلَى الْمَذْحَبْ لَا يَرْفَعُ الْحَدَثِ Turab, dust, according to the madhab of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, it doesn't lift hadath. Does that statement make sense to you? Does anyone understand that statement? Or can anyone give a reason why the, the, the Hanbali said that? Anyone? No? Anyone? Cheeto? Anyone? Silence in Manchester, silence in Toronto. Who's there to save us? Does it have a condition that you, have, you can't have water? No, no. So imagine that we don't have water. We don't have water. Okay? We're now going to use turab, dust, yes, to do tayammum. The Hanbalis say, what do they say? They said that dust does not lift hadith. So tell me what's going on then. If Allah says go and use dust, and the humbly is saying, but that dust doesn't lift hadith, what's, what are they saying? It's not tahur, it's tahir. So if it was tahur, was there saying if it was, it's not tahur, it's tahir, which means that it's pure but not purifying, is it possible to lift hadith with something which is pure but not purifying? No. Therefore, what do you think is going on? Think outside the box. Think from an usul point of view. Okay, let me help you out. So what basically they're saying is that when you don't have water, the need to actually be concerned about hadith per se is now gone as well. So now what's happening is that it's almost to say you're now not even in hadith now. Just go through the process with Turab. Because Turab is not going to lift hadith. Right? But you are able to now pray. You are able to now do X. You are able to now do Y. Meaning that you're okay to move forward, but it wasn't because Turab lifted the state of Hadith. Rather, this is an exception. Do you understand that? That's what the Hanbali school said. They said, no, only water actually lifts Hadith. If you don't have water, then not only does the, the uh, your whole situation changes. You're now a different scenario. The, the, uh, there's no need now to lift this state of Hadith because you don't even have any water to lift the state of Hadith. We now move into a second kind of uh, a, a game zone where whatever impurity you had, it's, down, whatever is, it's now dealt with just by rubbing this dirt upon you. That's according to the Madhab. According to the other scholars and according to Sheikh Uthameen, that's incorrect. Rather, dust itself is something which is pure and purifying and lifts hadith. And that's why he says on the, on the top of the next page, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says at the end of the ayah telling you to use tayammum, this is very interesting, after he told you to use tayammum, he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want to put any difficulty upon you in your religion, but rather he wants to, no, no, he wants to purify you. So, Shaykh Uthameen saying, hold on, that is coming at the end of, after telling us to use dust. So therefore, the dust must be purifying. So the dust is doing the purification. And he says, The word يُطَّهِرَ is a verb. And the noun is تَطْحِيرُ And تَطْحِيرُ means to, to lift the state of hadith. That's actually what it means. So rather what they're saying is that, no, actually... 
The dust itself also has the ability to lift the state of hadith, ritual impurity. Is that clear, everybody? All right, is it clear? So, um, but he then emphasizes, but if water is to be found and water is available, then of course dust doesn't lift anything and it's not permissible to use and it has no function other than just make yourself dusty. Yeah, just make you yani dirty. Okay then, folks. Um, so then, let's uh, move on then to his next statement. That the physical impurity now, so we're talking about something which is like feces or uh, like uh, urine or something like that. Now, physical, actual impurity. The sheikh says, the mu'allif says, that only purifying water removes that foreign filth. Only that. And why does he say that? What the Lil Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the evidence for that is the statement of the Prophet وسلم, when he was talking about menstrual blood that had affected some clothes, and he said, uh, 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 wipe it, scratch it off, and then uh, 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 wash it with water, basically wash it with water, and then carry on praying with it. So he instructed the, the, the uh, female companion that you've got this dry, dry dirty blood on it, menstrual blood, so it's nejis, wipe it off, clean it off, get it area clean, and then, and then actually the area itself, wash it with water. So he's given a very specific statement using water. Therefore the Hanbalis said that only pure and purifying water can physically get rid of actual dirt. Is that clear to, that you understand that, that statement? Also, the Sheikh Uthameen says the second evidence, they have any evidences, but another evidence that he uses, anyone uh, know? Anyone can see evidence for using water only to purify an area? The hadith of the Bedouin who came into the masjid, yes? Everyone knows this hadith, right? So there is the Prophet he's uh, there in the masjid, him and the companions, and then some miskini and a Bedouin comes in, right? Bedou, like uh, miskin guy, I don't know what we call miskin guy in, the, in, in our Desi thing. Someone from the pain, yeah? Yeah, okay then. So some guy from the pain, he walks in and he goes, hello. What's happening here? He's probably not seen a masjid before, whatever, and everyone's in there, yani, you know, doing zikr, whatever. And so he just bows into the corner and puts his trousers down and starts, you know, doing the behavior. So, obviously, the companion is completely, like, shocked. Like, what on earth is this? And so they want to go for him. They want to go for him. And so the Prophet ﷺ says, leave him. Leave him because he's, yani, gentle, and leave him because I think if you take on someone who's in that kind of zone, then you could do a lot more damage, yani, you know? So, <laughs> so what happens then? Is that so? He carries on. He finishes miskin. He's done his business. All right. So then the Prophet then goes up to him in a very, very easy and very gentle way. It's a good lesson, actually. Many people use this hadith to show how easygoing the Prophet is, and indeed he is a very easygoing. Uh, and he told, so he said to him, "Listen, this is not right. This is a masjid. We don't do that kind of thing here, you know." And so he was happy with that. He said, "I'm sorry, whatever," and it was okay. And then he told the uh, companions, "He sajlan min ma." Go and grab a bucket and pour some water over it. So wash the urine away. He didn't say clean it with this. He didn't say clean it with that. Rather, he said water. So those are the evidences that the Hanabila are using. Now, we'll just stop there for a second. I want you to have a think about this. What he's basically saying, what the Hanbali Madhab is saying, is that you cannot get rid of any physical dirt except with water. How does that sit with you guys? What do you think about that? Have a little, just let that sink in. Unless you've got water... You're not able to clean an, uh, an area. What, what, where, what area does that cause a, an immediate problem in? 
Okay, that's clothing, but some a, a process that all of us use. Dry cleaning anybody? If we follow the Hamli Madhab per se, right, to the letter, that would make dry cleaning completely impermissible. Yes or no? I don't think we use water in dry cleaning. They use some other kind of fluid or something, right? And then some kind of process. I'm not, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not rich enough to have clothes to be dry cleaned. <laughs> Only Shazada is that rich, Yanni. Shazada, everything he has is dry cleaned. MashaAllah, Tabarakallah. I think he even dry cleans his socks, Yanni. Shazada, MashaAllah, MashaAllah. So anyway, um, it's so much easier to dish Shazada from here, by the way. You know, when it, you know when I'm sitting in front of him? He's right in front of me in Chino like this, looking at me, doing this, whatever. Now, he's millions of miles away. So... Uh, so dry cleaning would be a problem, sah? Um, I mean, that's just an obvious one. Um, there'd be so many other scenarios. Now, we're not talking about exceptions. There is an exception to the rule. Even the Hanbalis will accept. There's an exception to the rule that only water can get rid of Najasa. What's the exception? Come on, Pax know about this. Come on. Pax do it day and night. Come on. All Muslims do it day and night. We don't have one. Yes, we do. We have an exception. Of course we do. Everyone gets rid of some dirt every day, some one time and some two times and some five times, depending on what you've been eating, right? Without water. Tissue paper paper in the process of? Istinja. Istinja. Very good. Istinja, actually not istinja, because istinja, what is we're going to come to? Istinja, the word istinja means to purely clean your private parts from, from najasa using... Water. Istijmar is the equivalent of cleaning one's private parts from dirt, but using anything other than water. Traditionally, what do they call that pack little thing? A little earth one. Hela. Eh, what's it? Hela. Hela? Hela. 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 But we all know what we're talking about, yeah? That, yeah, a wonderful thing. Super absorbent, super amazing. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, in our time, of course, it's tissue paper. In our time, of course, it's tissue paper. And, and I believe that it's permissible to use tissue paper in its place. So uh, that's an exception. Because istijmar, there's, there's a consensus on the use of istijmar. Meaning that a person, if he had no water and he's gone to the toilet, he's able to clean his private parts, especially uh, defecation specifically, using stone, earth, clod, Paper, etc. Now that's not using water, is it? It's not using water. So I want you to know that the author believes in that and he's not referring to istijmar. He's now just focusing on like, let's just use the hand as the example. Something has fallen on the hand, he's saying only water can purify this area. Is that clear? That's what the Hamli Madhab says. As you can imagine, Sheikh Uthameen is not very um, uh, happy with that. He even gives him another evidence at the, big, at the top of page 30. He says that when a, one of the uh, young children, he uh, urinated in the lap of the Prophet ﷺ, he asked for water and then he cleaned it. So all of these three evidences, it seems to indicate that if we... Um, and that's why he says, فلو, If we were to get rid of dirt... With other than water, it would not purify the area, according to the statement of the author. As for the correct opinion, and again I need to tell you that, you know, it's, this is an area of difference of opinion, and when Sheikh Uthameen says, the correct opinion, that's according to his opinion. And he's, he's, he has a, he, he's qualified to say that. And so when I say the correct opinion, 
as I said to you before, this is not me going up against Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal. This is me accepting and believing in another mujtahid opinion, which is of, of equal strength, maybe even better. Okay? So, Shaykh Uthameen, he says, as for the correct opinion, he said that if the najasa is removed by any removal process, then that's good enough. It doesn't have to be water. As long as the area is purified. Because, he says, لِأَنَّ النَّجَاسَةَ عَيْنٌ خَبِيثَةٌ فَإِذَا زَالَتْ زَالَ حُكْمُهَا Najasa is a physical thing. It's not like hadath, which is a ritual thing. You can't see it, yeah? Because we can't see it, it's a state that you enter. So for example, uh, uh, um, if, a person, if a person wakes up from sleep, he's still super clean, right? There's nothing of dirt on him, but he's in a state of ritual impurity. It's not yani, real impurity. As for najasa, it is khabithatun. It is a disgusting, impure, filthy, actual item. And so he's saying if it's an item or a thing or an object, as long as it goes, it doesn't matter how it goes, as long as it goes. We don't need to have water to make it go. This is Sheikh Wathaymin's argument. He continues. He goes that, um, and as the fuqaha said, uh, and this is how he's actually being very clever here, Sheikh Uthameen. He's using uh, Al-Insaf by Mardawi, meaning he's using a Hanbali fiqh book against the, the Hanbali madhab itself. And of course, there's a difference within the madhab anyway, so it's not a major shock. But he's saying that, have you not noticed how the scholars of the same madhab said, said that if water, a dirty water, if it changes by itself, the dirt yani, goes away by itself, by consensus, the water is now pure. So, the water changed by itself. It wasn't cleaned by another person coming in with extra water. But if it cleans by itself, it becomes pure. So what about that then? Then he gives another example. And he says, uh, alcohol, we mentioned that last week, yes? Alcohol, according to some of those scholars, is what? Najis, impure. If it oxidates by itself, what does it become? Vinegar. And is vinegar pure or not? It's pure. So he's saying that even according to their own madhab, they recognize the concept of something become changing, cleaning, becoming, or leaving the state of najasa at very least, leaving the state of najasa by itself without water being involved, meaning there's no, nothing special in water. As long as the najasa disappears, that's the key thing. That's what the hukam is. And he said that, and he now wants to respond directly to the, to the other scholars who said, no, it's only water. He said, the three hadith previously, the one of the Bedouin, the one with the one who uh, 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 urinated in his lap, all of these evidences that they mention water, they only mention water because that's the most obvious thing to use. It's the easiest thing which is available. It's not saying that water is the only thing you can use, but water is the thing that bring me some water, pass me some water, because the water is the asal for purification. And the fact that water is mentioned, and this is a benefit to you for, from a usul al-fiqh point of view, meaning from principles of law point of view, the mentioning of something does not necessitate the absence or the negation of the other. Unless the mentioning of the thing is done in an absolute way, where the Prophet said, it is only water that will ever purify my, my uh, lap. And it's only water that will only clean X or Y or Z. Does that make sense? Yeah? So it's not something which, uh, 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 it's an, uh, when the statement is not absolute in that sense, the Prophet says, hey, bring me water, bring me water, then uh, that means that he wanted water, and if there was no water, he might have used a load of soil, right? 
When we uh, in 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 uh, in school, remember in school when the kid was sick, no one brings water. But they bring what do they do? Sawdust. What do they uh, do these days? Now in the hospitals they use some other like chemical or something, right? It, it covers the smell immediately. It binds to the uh, whatever, and then it hardens, and then you can just like wipe it up, and it leaves the place cleaner than it was before. I'm just saying that that if these things were available at that time, we are trying to say that the Prophet ﷺ would have used them as well. Now, this is clearly a mujtahid position. It's, it's going out and making a statement, but that is the position that he uh, uh, says. So I hope that you understand that that our position and the tall position of this class is that actually. As long as something is purified by any means, then that's okay. I think even back home, many of us, uh, especially back home, um, back home, I mean Pakistan or whatever, yeah? Uh, if the children, day and night, uh, we don't use nappies, do we? Nappies are expensive. <laughs> nappies are not... We are very environmentally friendly people. <laughs> the packs are the world's most environment-friendly people. Wallahi, how much more environment-friendly do you want? We uh, don't use nappies because they're not, not, they don't degrade or whatever, right? Yeah, we keep it all freestyle open. And, uh, and uh, what's the other thing that we do? We recycle all this, yani, uh, all the... We recycle najis. <laughs> Isn't it? We not only cook our roti with it. What's it called? I mean, it's in, in, in Sharia, it's called roth. What's it called in uh, Urdu? You know, cow, 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 dung. Gobat. Gobal. Gobar. Ah, Gobar. Sounds good. In my, <laughs> in my, in my, in my, uh, in, in my hood, we build our houses with that stuff. That's no exaggeration. We stick it all over the walls. I've got no idea why it goes on the outside of the wall, whether it's to like scare guests over Yanni or something. I don't know. But I'm saying that we're recycling people, you know? Anyway. So I was going to say that because obviously we don't use much nappies, so people are urinating all over the place. Yeah, or kids rather, I mean, are urinating all over the place. So, what we're doing, a lot of the time they're not being washed. They just stick it on the line and let the sun completely burn it, yes? True or not true? Yeah. And the sun, yani, it completely evaporates all the urine, completely whatever, and then we check the smell, see if there's the smell there. If the smell is there, then we go and then maybe wash it. If the smell is not there, that's best. Alhamdulillah, good, put it to the guests. Yeah? Give it to the guests one, not to, the, not to our bed. Okay then, so... Um, yeah, so that's good. Also, Sheikh, well, he wants to he wants to uh, uh, um, he wants to make an accurate explanation of what the word which we've translated as foreign filth, okay? And in the Arabic, if you look at it, it's an najis al tariq, an najis al tariq. Now, tariq is like the word tariq means to happen all of a sudden, yeah, uh, or to or to come into being, or just like just to come new. The reason that the author, and in translation, is not there. We just wrote foreign filth. Yeah, in translation, we translated it as foreign filth. The reason for that is to distinguish between two points. Filth itself in its original principle, so like feces in itself, which is feces at the beginning, feces in the middle, and feces at the end. You can never purify that, right? Whereas foreign filth means that it falls upon something which was pure, and now that is fallen onto this item, this item now, whole item is now called yani, the mutanajis, yani, it's now become filthy. But if we remove that filth, this becomes pure again. So this is why we have the word anajis al-tari. Anajis meaning it was pure, it was clean, filth falls on it, it now, all of it is now najis, 
we now need to remove the najas. If we remove the najas, then that now becomes pure again. Whereas, if this was no pure thing here and it was just the najas, just like this, we can do whatever you want, it's never going to become pure. And that's why Shaykh Uthameen, he says, right at the bottom of page 30, He goes as for the actual impurity by itself, it can never, ever, ever be purified. Never, ever be purified. Even, not, not with water, not with anything. Not with anything. Meaning, it itself cannot be purified. Such as the dog. And he gives the example of the dog. And he said that if the dog is washed, he goes, even if we wash the dog seven times, and once with dust as well, he goes that it will not be purified. Likewise the pig, likewise the whatever. You can do whatever you want with it, wash it, whatever. It's never ever going to be purified. But then, that also is a statement which is not necessarily absolutely accurate. Now, there's an important point you will need to know. And we were, think, we were discussing this in the car down. And this is so important. We're calling a logical progression which should give you an idea, you know, uh, why, we, uh, why we choose the title logical progression. All types of knowledge and then specifically Sharia knowledge. Specifically Sharia knowledge. It follows this, the standard principle of education. You get taught according to your level. You get taught what you can handle. Okay? You get taught basically what you can handle. Now, the real issue is this. When you're young, you only understand certain amounts of uh, uh, certain things, certain aspects. You will be given a definitive truth and you will believe that and understand that because that is your ability at that time. 20 years later, that same thing, you revisit it and it's something completely different. So the obvious example that I can think of, uh, that we came up with in the car, I've got to say that uh, Amr Javad gets the credit for this, um, is the uh, idea that when a kid sees a baby. So when a kid says, where did this baby come from? We say the bird came and it you know, delivers it to the house, yani, whatever. And then what do Pax say? That's what we say in the West. What did the Pax say? What did you guys say in the village, yani, and what? Anything? Same thing? Don't ask. We don't ask, yeah? <laughs> nice. That is the Pax way, well said. So, so, uh, uh, so you say that you know, the, the, the bird comes and it drops it off or whatever, or you go to the hospital and you buy them, all this kind of nonsense. I think I said that to my first, maybe, when my third was born or whatever. I can't remember. Anyway, the point is that you come up with some nonsense, right? And that fits the, 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 you know, it fits the moment. They understand it. They're happy. And that will, that will serve them for a good 10, 15 years. Yeah? And then, obviously, things are going to change. They're going to realize. And definitive truth now turns to a completely another definitive truth. But the same thing changes. This exists all the time, especially in maths, especially in chemistry. In chemistry, you're told that this is the most basic element possible because that's the only thing you can imagine. And I seem to remember when I was young, I was told that the atom is the smallest thing you can ever imagine. And then obviously when you go to GCSE, they say actually the smallest thing you can imagine is a subatomic particle. And when you go and study physics at PhD level, you realize that the smallest things are things actually we can't even be seen and we haven't even found it. And we've got to build the Hadron Collider, whatever, at 36 billion, billion, billion pounds. And we crash and create nuclear reactions. And we spend the about, I don't know, three years and we found it and we called it the God particle. And it was there. Oh, we missed it. We didn't find it. Whatever, the point, you, you try, the more that you get older, the more that your level increases, the knowledge, the definitive knowledge changes. Now, this principle is also applied in Sharia. And as students of knowledge, you need to understand that. You need to understand that whatever you learn and pick up at the beginning of a text, okay, especially in the explanation of a text, we will make a definitive statement, 
But then further down, when we start adding more parameters and you've got now a greater foundation, we're going to revisit an idea and that's going to now be changed com completely. Does that make sense? So you need to understand that system. And that's why when people, especially on forums, on the PG forums, they're asking questions about, about the text now, saying, but I thought this, but I thought that, because they've already heard the advanced piece of information, the 15 years ahead information. They have to realize that you have, when, you follow, when you're studying fiqh text in the system, you have to follow the system. Just keep going with the system and you will get there. And the big difference is that instead of just hearing the 15-year advance uh, uh, opinion, this way when you study the text, you will be able to build up everything so that when you do come to that now renewed definition of the same point, it will make more sense, it will be more solid, and you have that foundation that a student of knowledge must have. Now, that's a very, very important point. So, just like I said, that only uh, uh, that uh, impurity doesn't change. Uh, you can't purify impurity. And, you've, and I said that last week. And you would have said, okay, that's fine. You would have written that down, you would have memorized it, and that's it. Now, this week, I'm saying to you, actually, impurity can change. For example, the dog. The dog is impure as an animal. But if the dog falls into a vat of salt, okay, then what will happen, and this is the position of Sheikh Hussam bin Taymiyyah, and Sheikh Uthaymin also kind of leans towards this opinion. Certainly, this is my opinion. Certainly, this is the opinion of my own Sheikh, and it's the opinion of many, many people. Something called istihala occurs, which means the changing of uh, a state, the changing of one state. So the dog is impure, and as you know, salt is a dissolving kind of agent, right? A corrosive kind of thing. And so if you leave that dog, and it happens very popularly back in our own countries, not with dogs, but with rats, okay? Mice and rats. That thing stays in the salt for a number of weeks, months or whatever, because they kind of get in and then they can't get out and they stay there. They dissolve, and everything dissolves. And it dissolves into the salt and it actually, it becomes salt. So what happened there? Pure najasa turned into pure, something pure. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And so we do have this kind of, uh, uh, for example, uh, dung. Um, uh, what do you call it? What? Gober. If you, if you burn that enough, it will eventually if you don't do that whole adding hay to it, whatever, the hay is added, isn't it? The hay is not natural. So it comes out brown, whatever. They add the hay for structure, for strength, to create some lattice structure. Huh? Is that my engineering any coming through? I don't know. So the point is, is that if you were to burn that enough, it would turn into ashes, which is Pure. Ashes is a pure uh, substance. So that's another example of even the most impure thing, which is nejas, yani, which is feces effectively. Even human feces. Human feces is great for the garden. I'm not saying go out there and do it in the garden. But yani, it's very good for the garden. You do it on your, 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 your bed of roses, yani, your parents will thank you. Maybe not now, yani, but they will thank you in, I don't know, <laughs> in some period of time. So the point is, is that obviously it's so ammonia rich, so nitrogen rich, it's a pure classic fertilizer. And so therefore, obviously what's going to happen is that it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it does degrade into the ground after a period of time. Likewise, if it's heated. So I want to say that, yes, there are some scholars, some of the scholars don't accept this, by the way. But Sheikh Islam, uh, of course, was originally Hanbali. This is his position that things do change their state. So if their state changes and it turns into something completely different, then it takes the ruling of the new state. All right? But it has to be a complete change. And I mean at, at, the, at the molecular level, at the chemical level. Now obviously, what enters into this debate 
is everything that everyone talks about day and night. Muslims have no other yani, love of their life other than talking about this subject. Halal food, gelatin, renin, Cheetos or whatever course you guys eat here. You know all this Doritos, Cheetos argument that you guys have? We don't even know what that Cheetos stuff is in the UK. But the point is, is that everyone knows what E471 is and all this for So the point is, is that this whole chapter, this piece of fiqh that we're discussing now, whether najasa, najasa itself, impurity, can change state and become something else if the chemical structure is changed. If you believe this principle, and it was put forward by Ibn Taymiyyah, actually it was mentioned before, but Ibn Taymiyyah is the big promoter in the modern sense, then you can then accept that um, beef gelatin in its raw cartilage form or whatever it is um, or from a haram animal we're not talking about halal animal if a, an animal is halal killed halal then there's no problem with that gelatin according to the majority of scholars we're talking about haram animal meaning an animal which is bolted to the head not cured by a christian or anything like that so just just killed in a factory and like the mass majority of gelatin sources then the uh, gelatin is taken from that uh, 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 animal and then what happens is that that gelatinous substance, um, it's not my area, I can't remember now what it's called, but that original substance, once they put it through this process, that process, heating, filtering, heating, chemical, changing, enzymes, yeah, whoa, whatever. If the final product has no relation to the original product, then it takes the hukam of the final product, meaning it's something new, something different. It's just an additive, it's just a gelling agent, it's just a whatever, and it has now no relation to the original pork or beef or X or Y that it was in the first place. So what I'm trying to say is that that's the benefit of understanding this particular uh, point, this particular exact point. So um, I hope that makes sense. If you accept that najasa, najasa can change, if you accept the concept of istihala, its application then applies to many of today's differing scenarios. We will take these separately another time, uh, 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 the issue of certain food items. And and then uh, he just mentions that this water is uh, still in its original created state, meaning that uh, it's water which has not been interfered by or interfered with by someone else. So this is the first type of water. Okay, what did we learn? What can we um, what can we uh, 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 sum up with with respect to the first type of the three types of water? According to the Hanbali school, we have this water, which is completely clean, completely pure, it itself, it has not been changed, hasn't had anything added or anything like that, it itself purifies, it's the perfect water to use for wudu and ghusl, meaning lifting the state of hadath, ritual impurity, and it's the only thing according to the madhab, which actually removes physical impurity on the skin or on clothes or whatever, but yet we have, we've learned that that's not necessarily the case, you want to use petrol, you want to use spirit, you want to use white spirit, you want to use anything else to clean the body or clean clothes, then that's permissible as long as you get rid of the najasa. That's the key thing, getting rid of the najasa. Is that clear, everybody? Are we good with that? So let's move on then to the next type of water. We translated... Um, Sorry, 
my, my mistake. Not not moving on to the next type of water. We're now we're now taught. Sorry, we're we're uh, giving more information, more detail about the first type of water. So the Sheikh now he moves on, meaning uh, Al Hajjawi. He's now going to give some details with respect to this particular type of water. So on page three or on the next page of notes. فَإِنْ تَغَيَّرَ بِغَيْرِ مُمَازِجٍ كَقِطْعِ كَافُورٍ أَوْ دُحْنٍ أَوْ بِمِلْحٍ مَائِيٍ أَوْ سُخْنَ بِنَجِسٍ كُرِحٍ That's the next statement. This is now giving more detail to the first type of water. Is that clear? Just so I, I don't know one's confused. We're still on the pure and purifying category of water. The translation. It is offensive to use this, this water if it changes as a result of something which does not mix with it. Such as a piece of camphor or grease, or is mixed with salt taken from water, or it's heated using filth. So, just again to clarify, we're still talking about pure and purifying water, the first type of water. What the author is now doing is elucidating what could happen to that pure and purifying water. It goes through different scenarios. One of these scenarios is what? When something falls into it and it's mixed with it. It's mixed with it. Uh, it, uh, it, uh, it, now we're going to talk about this word mix, right? Uh, because we, in English we don't have this, um, at least I don't think, in English we have that luxury of being able to easily dis uh, uh, distinguish. But if something like grease or, or camphor or salt from water uh, goes into it or it's heated with filth, which is a whole different category, anyway the point is that this water, using it is offensive, it's makro. So this is a big sentence, okay? It requires a lot of explanation. So let's focus on that. So let's look at the first uh, a statement. Sheikh Uthameen says in the middle of page 31, he says, Now, if it changes um, with a mumazij, mumazij. Now, what does mumazij mean? Something which has, in English we say something which is mixed with it, okay? But we know that um, when you when you when you mix two when you mix two substances, there's different types. Uh, from a scientific point of view, if I remember correctly, a mixture is not the same as a solution, right? A solution, I think, by necessity has dissolving that's occurred. I think. What is the actual term for just a twig, or ten twigs, or stones falling into water, and then you're able to take it out? It's not solvent because solvent is is is, is necessitating a solution. What is it? Huh? Yeah. Suspension? No, it's just, it's not, I don't think it's a suspension. A suspension has, has a, a high level of mixture, I think. A hydrogenous mixture. A heterogeneous Does a heterogeneous mixture mean that it can be separated? Yeah, that's exactly what it means. So if that's right, if a heterogeneous mixture means a mixture of two things that can be easily separated, then that's exactly what we're talking about. Okay. So what the sheikh is saying is that uh, what the author is saying that a heterogeneous mixture, meaning and the examples are clear. I'll give you the examples. Uh, the sheikh he mentions in his own text camphor. Camphor is a twig. Camphor actually comes off a tree. Okay, and uh, we use it in our uh, our thingy. What do we use it in? Uh, you know, we use it uh, 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 as a perfume and in certain places, but we actually use it for food as well. Pax and Arabs do use it for food. It's like a sweetening substance. Anyway, the point is, is that it's a twig. 
So if a twig, and then he would go on to say uh, a well, for example, where leaves fall in, or he says that there's a pond there, and um, or there's a puddle, and water lilies come up, and he goes, there's a body of water, and there's water, moss on it. You know moss? Yeah? And then he gives another example. He says, uh, water which grease goes on. Can you see in all of these examples, everything which is being added to the water doesn't mix with it. So grease is floating on the top, so you can put your hand in literally and use the water underneath. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah? And if there are twigs and leaves and whatever, you'd, you'd put your hand in and you'd move the, the twigs and stuff around, you'd still use the water. Yes? So, uh, likewise, uh, but you, 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 get, you get what I'm saying? These are things which mix with it, but don't become one. So, Sheikh Muhammad Bakhtar al-Shaqiti, he gives some examples, and I, I like the way that he, um, he gave some examples. He said, وَالِاخْتِلَاقِ الشَّيْئَيْنِ بِبَعَضِهِمَا He goes, basically, what, as long as whatever is mixed with it doesn't become one with the water. That's the point. As long as whatever one mixes doesn't become one with the water. So he gave the example, two examples. He goes, a pure example would be taking pure ink and putting it into water. And so when you put pure, pure ink into water, the water turns blue, isn't it? And so you have blue now water or whatever you have, I don't know what it's called, inky water. You can't separate it as such, that's it. Now the water has taken on that thingy. That's an example of a pure, uh, um, a pure uh, uh, substance. What happens? The colors change, the smell has changed, and the taste of that water has changed. Another example of a nejis example would be urine. So urine going into a small amount of water, let's not think about lots of water, but a small amount of water, urine going into that, it itself will be, um, it, 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 will, it will just become the one with the water, it will be the same thing, won't it? And so now what we have here is, um, uh, a taste has changed, smell has changed, color has changed. Is that clear? So these are two examples of things which mix with the water. And that's what we're not talking about here. We're talking about that, about that which doesn't mix with the water. What we would call a heterogeneous mixture, if that's the right term. Okay? Is that clear, everybody? Does that make sense? Okay. So, what does Sheikh then say uh, about that? He says, Sheikh says, if that's true, if the claim of our author is true, i.e. that if, if something is mixed with water, like a twig, like camphor, like grease. If that's true, how comes it's still purifying? How comes it's still purifying? Because it's not It's not in its original created state because it has something mixed with it. And so Sheikh says that actually, this, the reason it's still uh, pure, because It is, this mixing is not because of something which is mixing with the, the item, you know, uh, I don't even know how to uh, describe that, but imagine that something is side by side. You know, like uh, the jar means neighbor, yes? And mujawara means to be on one side. So what he's trying to say is that this twig, when it's in this water, it's like a... How do you, how do you explain it's not mixing with the water, meaning you can take the twig out. That's the point. Yes? So the water is still the water. It's not dissolving into it. It's not yani, taking the ruling of that. It might depart a taste. It might depart a color change. Right? It might depart yani, even a smell change. It might. 
and often it will. That's why they use kafur, because kafur is very, has, a, uh, has a very strong uh, smell, and it also has a very strong taste. But because it is not actually dissolving in it and becoming one, you can actually remove it. Therefore, it still has its ability to purify. Is that clear? So then Sheikh asks a very pertinent question. He goes, if that's the case, it still has the ability to purify. Why is it? Why is it then being considered as hated? Makruh. Let's talk about makruh. What does makruh mean? Disliked. Yeah? Get a bit more expressive, man. Detested. Reprehensible. Do you guys, can you say that? In, in, does, does Canada use the words like reprehensible? Do you guys do English here? Do you guys read, yeah? So, so reprehensible is what yani, you find in our, our texts. They're just yani, trying to flex some of that language, yani, you know? So, what does it mean? It means that which is uh, disliked. The actual uh, definition for makruh, of course, has its own, uh, uh, its own meaning. It means that which is opposite to that which is loved, meaning that it's not liked. But, uh, uh, but the actual usuli definition, the, the definition, technical definition, is The one who leaves a makruh action is rewarded, Okay, but the one who does the makru action is not punished. Is that clear? So that's what makru means. When something is makru, okay, it means that thing, that action, that whatever, that if someone does it, he's not punished. But if he leaves it intentionally, he's rewarded for it. Is that clear? That's makru. Is that, is that clear, everybody? Yes? What's haram? Forbidden. Yeah, define it. Huh? What's the, yani, you have five things, right? You all know this, don't you? Yes. You have the ahkam al-khamsa, yani you have five things. Yes? So let's start off with haram. What is haram? We know it's not permissible. What's the definition, yara? That's the definition. Give me the, yes. The one who leaves it, he's rewarded. And the one who does it, he's punished. Is that clear, everybody? The next level down, makru. What did we say makru is? The one who leaves it, he is rewarded. But if he does it, he's not punished. What's the third ruling? Mubah. Mubah. Okay? Mubah. What's Mubah? Exactly. The one who leaves it, he's not rewarded. And the one who does it, he's not rewarded. Meaning there's no ruling on it. Meaning it's okay, go ahead and do it. Yeah? Something which is Mubah, go ahead and do it. You're not punished if you do it. You're not rewarded if you don't do it. The scholars, the more you increase in knowledge and taqwa, uh, 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 how do you get ahead of the rest of the Muslims? You are able to change the mubah issues into acts of ibadah. That's the next level skill. Right? 
That's the next level skill, meaning that you're able to take a number of issues that are normative bodily functions, normal day-to-day -day scenarios outside in the working, living environment, but because of your quality as a person and your manipulation and your control over your intention, that's what it's all about, how strong you are over your intention, how focused you are, you are able to use a number of things, a number of things, and turn them into acts of ibadah. That might be walking, for example. You might have to walk a certain way to school. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, it could be rubbish examples, but you might have to walk a certain way to school, all right? And it's quicker. And it's allowed for you to go a second way to school, which is paved, and it's the same. It's a, it'll get you to school maybe a couple of minutes late. But if you walk that way, you will walk past an old lady who you know that she's a bit lonely, and you just want to give her a wave every time you go past. It's permissible to wave, it's permissible to walk, it's permissible to whatever. There's no added benefit. If you choose that second route with the intention that I want to change this walking and this extra distance for just so that I can make her happy and maybe do some da'wah to her, this is how you changed a permissible act into one rewarded. And sleep is an example as well. If you manipulate your sleep in a very accurate way, where you say that I want to get extra energy to wake up for this time, or I want to sleep so I can do more study at that time, this is, a, this is the quality of a scholar. But anyway, mubah means if you do it, you don't get rewarded. If you leave it, you don't get rewarded. The next, the fourth category, mustahab or mandub. Two names which are used uh, at the same time. Mustahab and mandub. Those are those actions which... The, the fa'il, the one who does the action, he is rewarded. And the one who leaves it, he doesn't do the mustahab action, the sunnah action, the nafal action. We call it sunnah and nafal in our vernacular, yani. it's not the accurate phrase. But anyone who doesn't do a mustahab action or mandub action, he's not punished. Is that clear? And then the fifth uh, hukam, the fifth ruling is... Wajib and fard. Yani the word wajib and fard means the same thing according to the majority of scholars, meaning obligatory. What's the definition of obligatory? The one who does it, al-fa'il, yusab ali. Yani he is rewarded, and the one who leaves it is punished. And these are the five definitions of the five rulings which you have to know in usul and you have to know for fiqh. All right. So now that you know that, what what do we have here? We have now. Um, a statement. The Mu'allif said that to use this type of water where it's mixed with some twigs or grease or this or that, it is makro to use. Sheikh Uthameen asks the question, who said it's makro to use? Is it permissible to just say suddenly makro? What's the evidence for it? So he says, so he says, he says, the reason they said, the Hanbalis, some of the Hanbalis, the reasons they said that it is makro, he says is because this is really interesting. Think about this. He said the scholars are all very comfortable with the idea that you can have water which is pure and purifying. End of story, that's fine. But he goes that some of them, when they heard that you can have water which is mixed with something, even though you can take it out, even though you can take it out, and it has departed some kind of smell or some kind of taste, they said it lost its ability to purify. It lost its ability to purify. And now it is simply what? What is that water now simply? Tahir. Very good. It's just pure. It lost its ability to purify once something was mixed with it. Now because some scholars, this is the point here, they firmly believe that this is, has now happened with this water, 
We now have a difference of opinion, a khilaf. A difference of opinion in the madhab. Because there's a difference of opinion, Shaykh Uthameen said, simply because of the, exist- the existence of a difference of opinion, the madhab officially said, you know what? We will now just classify it as makruh. Makruh. Meaning it's hated to use. Meaning it's legitimate. It's still legitimate to use. But we're going to put this kind of warning thing on it. And this, this ruling of makruh, they said, Shaykh Uthameen making excuses for the people. He said that, we'll, we'll say that it's makruh. They said, simply in the presence of pure water. Meaning if pure water is available, pure purifying water is available, then to use this type of water is makruh. Okay? Does that make sense? It's important that you understand that Shaykh Uthameen is trying to make some excuses. Actually, he himself... He doesn't like this ruling. You can feel from what he's trying to say that, hold on, just having a difference of opinion in a madhab is not justification enough to give a legal ruling of makruh to something. That's not good enough. To, to, makruh is a legal reality. It's a legal reality. To establish a legal reality, we must have legal evidences. If there is no evidence to suggest that water mixed with something which you can remove, it has lost its purity, then it hasn't lost its purity. And even the Hanbalis accept it because they said you can use it anyway because it says makro. They even agree you can. And there's no evidence to say that that is hated. And therefore you use it as you wish. Yeah, it's no problem. After saying that, he does say, ah, ah. If you're going to say that it is makro from the hadith of da'ma yaribuk ila mala yaribuk, Leave that which makes you doubt for that which does not make you doubt, okay? Meaning that you have this water in front of you, you're not sure, you're doubting its purity, and so therefore because of the doubt, we're going to say it's better that you avoid it, it's disliked to use it. If you're using that as your justification, that's something which we can accept. That's something which we can accept, and for that reason, fine, don't use it. Better to use um, pure and purifying water that hasn't had something mixed with it. Does that make sense, everybody? Yeah? Does that explain that issue, Yani, with respect to that which is mixed with it? Okay? And then and then he quotes a very nice line of poetry actually. Because he's, he's still he's still upset about he's still upset about uh, uh, this point. Yeah, he's still upset about this one. He says, فَلَيْسَ كُلُّ خِلَافٍ جَاعٌ that, uh, and this poem was used in a book that was talking about how to differentiate between Makki and Madini surahs in the Quran. The author of the book is, uh, what is what is the author of the book? I have no idea who the author of the book is, but it's referenced. No, no, I do. The or, or the the, uh, the line of poetry is by Abu Hassan ibn ibn al Hassar, and he is Ali bin Muhammad ibn Muhammad, and this line of poetry is the last line of his poem. In understanding the difference between the Makki and Madani surahs from the Quran, he put them all together in a book called Nasikh wal Mansukh, and it is narrated in Al Itqan, in the Itqan, uh, the book of by Imam Suyuti on the sciences of the Quran. That's in the, the, the uh, uh, margin of the Sharh Mumtia. So, what's the translation of this? Every difference of opinion that suddenly comes to us is not always to be considered. It's not yani just because one person says it's raining, another one says no, it's thunder, another one says it's sunshine, just because you come up with your own statement, it doesn't mean that we have to listen to you. It doesn't mean that yani, your, your opinion means anything. It's not necessarily mu'ataba. So, translating that, فَلَيْسَ كُلُّ خِلَافٍ جَاءَ 
is mu'atabar. Not every opinion that suddenly, uh, every difference of opinion that suddenly someone says is something to be considered. Except a difference of opinion that has a good uh, portion of, uh, 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 how can I say, it's not evidence, but yani, uh, yani, translate it for now as, as, as evidence, other than something which has good evidence supporting it. And so this is, this is his example for uh, giving the, uh, uh, for, uh, what's it called, for not, um, for not saying that just because there's a difference of opinion, we're going to make something makhluk. Anyway, I think that's enough with respect to uh, explaining the issue of a mixture, right? In summary, so that you understand what's going on. We're still on the first type of water. That first, there are three types of water. Tahir, what tahur, meaning is pure and it purifies. The second type of water, which we're still way away from, is just tahir and it doesn't do anything. It's just pure in itself. And then the third type of water is just najis, okay? We're still dealing with the first type of water. That which water which is pure in itself and it purifies, meaning that you can make wudu with it. This type of water itself, itself, now describing its various states and so on and so forth, it is still possible to use even when it is mixed with something else. As if it's mixed with that which does not uh, dissolve in it, so like ink or whatever, if it's, uh, uh, you know, for example, uh, rose water or lemonade or things like that that's not what we're talking about because once you put these things in then it takes a whole new ruling it doesn't, it's not called water anymore it's called something else we're not talking about that we're talking about a twig some money thrown in stones a little bit of dirt mud whatever whatnot. like mud and sand is a good example sand there's lots of sand in water all the time if you just give it a good filter a good shake that's what the sand is gone this water itself Sheikh is saying that the humbly said that it's makro to use but in actual fact it is makro only really, really if you're thinking that there's some doubt about it. And if there's some doubt about it, then fine. Otherwise, if you've got good clean water, just use that. But if you don't have any clean water and you find any other water in a pond or in a puddle or whatever, then you use that. It's pure. It's purifying. There's no problem with it whatsoever. That's a basic uh, thing. And also, we established today that with respect to impurity, impurity can be removed in any way that you want. Whether you're burning it, whether you're heating it, whether you are using uh, dry cleaning fluids or whatever. As long as you get rid of the impurity, the physical impurity from wherever it is, be it from clothes, be it from the floor, be it on your body, as long as it's gone completely with no residue left behind, that's okay. And we also touched upon the principle of istihala, meaning that it's also possible for impurity to change by itself. And that impurity could change either because it's been put into, uh, it dissolved beyond recognition in a massive amount of water, or it's dissolved by salt or whatever over a period of time, or you've burnt it into something else. This is potential changes of state. Or alcohol oxidating and completely losing its alcoholic property and now becoming acid, adding an extra. What group? All science students? What group does it have to have added to it to become oxidized? My God, did you guys study science in Canada? Did you have schools in Toronto? Is it true that the, 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 the ghettos, they're, they're prohibited to have schools? Is that true? I think it's OH, no? And added extra OH uh, bond. Sah? No? Just flexing some of my chemistry, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so that's inshallah the end of the lesson. We'll take some questions um, with respect to the, on, on the topic. So online and um, folks um, in Cheadle, and any of you guys here as well. 
on a topic only. And then we get rid of these lot, and then we're going to chill out then, inshallah, for the next uh, however long. How long have we got left? About another half an hour now, something like that. No, we don't have an hour. Take about half an hour. Then we'll talk about we'll talk about the Toronto Maple losers. We'll talk about uh, Brian Burke. We'll talk about Raptors. We'll talk about whatever you want. No problem. You need to say it louder, Shaz. I can't hear anyone here. No. Okay. No one's interested in questions today, huh? Everyone wants an early night. Okay, we have one question online. Okay, here we go, yes. So you're talking about in a swimming pool, for example, when you have the water itself, which is mixed with chlorine? Oh, tap water, which is mixed with chlorine. We're going to cover that next week, inshallah. Okay, we're going to cover that next week. You said that it doesn't mix with it. So say, for example, we have grease. Isn't grease could be potentially mixing? Like sometimes you can't tell the difference. The time. most incredible non-mixing substance in the entire world is grease. Well, I mean, like oil, for example. Even more. Like sometimes they can't tell. Uzair uh, uh, Khan is just doing the Toronto's best at the moment. <laughs> He's just he just said, yeah, what about grease and what about oil? Yeah, because it doesn't really mix with water. And I'm telling him at this moment that I think the definition of hydrophobia, yeah, it was made from oil and grease. It's the most yeah, uh, non-mixing substance. I mean, you're right, obviously, if you know, it's, it's a mixture in its early phase, meaning that you had like a bucket of water and you chucked oil in and you mixed it, mixed it, mixed it, mixed it, yeah? Yeah, but yani, who's going to do that? That's crazy, isn't it? You're going to wait at least a couple of seconds. So if you wait, then you will start to see its hydrophobic uh, 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 properties start to kick in, and it will start to globulate, and it will start to either rise or go somewhere, whatever. And, but there will be water left behind. The, uh, the, the, point, the, the, point, the point to take is that even let's say that there was some crazy kind of surfactant on the surface of this uh, grease and oil, which allowed it to mix with water. Let's just assume that, okay? If that happens, right? then it's definitely not them this ruling. The ruling here, at the moment that we're studying, let's focus on that only, is talking about water, which ha- you are able to completely get rid of the other thing. That's what we're talking about. So yes, if there was a scenario where the grease was all through the water, and all in the water, whatever, then yes, that wouldn't be able to be used. Alright? Yeah. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna come to salt, okay, next week, and... The reason, uh, and just to know that you have an introduction to it, um, salt here, he specifies salt which is taken, meaning sea salt. Okay? He's talking about sea salt, and the reason that there's no problem with sea salt, even though for me and you, sea salt completely dissolves into the water. Yes? But actually, sea salt itself, as Sheikh Hussein says, and the scholars say, it is actually considered as water anyway, because the Prophet has allowed the water of the ocean, which is sea salt, salty, to be used as purifying. Yes? He has said though that if it was rock salt, this is interesting, non-water-based, non-natural salt to water, because you have salt which is natural to water, but then you have rock salt which is not natural to water, if that is then added, it's a different ruling. That's coming in, I think, one or two weeks' time. Anything else there locally? Or you guys want... Uh, Bob's worry, Bob's... What's the score, Yara? Where's Bob's gone? The only thing I care about is the extra game today. What's the score, Bob's? 
Us- <laughs> Usman said it's 1-0. Usman said it's 1-0 to who? Tell me Chelsea, Bobs. No, I'm not. I'm talking FA Cup. Forget FA Cup. I don't care about FA Cup. I'm thinking about Maya Fantasy League. That's what I don't want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as you can see, Tudor are a complete fail today. They've got no questions. All they've got is basically football scores. Okay, then. So should we, we? are we cutting? Anyone else from here? Okay, we've got... All right, we'll just wait a few more minutes. We have two more questions on the class. Yes. Yes. Correct. The commentary has been given. Uh, the sister is asking about the class notes. The commentary, which is in Arabic only, has been provided in the first and second emails and is on the forums. Where, where you got the class notes from, the link underneath it is the Arabic for the commentary. Now, uh, what happens with the commentary is those who understand Arabic, they read it along. Those who don't understand Arabic, they will wait for me to translate a statement like I do. And those who are following it online, they will actually see the Arabic, highlight it, and then hear me speaking about it, so they don't even have to know Arabic, and then I'll be explaining it in English anyway. That's how the system works with the commentary. But the commentary is not available in English. Sharh Mumtia is not available in English. And if you want a copy, you've got a PDF copy on the, on the link there. Yes? No problem. The, the fact that it has a taste or smell, that means something mixed in very well, which you can't take out. Okay, so this... Okay, so the sister is asking the, the... She's saying that how come that it is possible for something to fall in, like, like carefold, like camphor, which is a solid, which in principle does not dissolve, dissolve in its solid form, when you put it into water, yet it departs a taste, a slight taste, and it departs a, uh, and it leaves some kind of uh, color change, sometimes all of them, sometimes a few of them. Well, how comes that that is um, still uh, uh, okay? How comes the water is still considered as pure and purifying water? The reason is, uh, uh, in my own words, not in the words of the my method, because this will become clearer as we go forward. One, because you can take that thing out completely, okay? The fact that that whatever is left behind, that slight color change or that slight whatever change, is not enough to take the, the title of water away from it. That, that whatever is left behind is so minimally affected that it's still seen as a pure water. And because the item itself is not impure and is not yani causing a complete dissolving in it, it's still called purifying as well. So it's tahir and tahur. So the fact that it departs some kind of taste or some kind of yani, color change slight, that's not something which is fatal to its pu- purification property. And this will become clearer in the next few weeks. Yes. 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 Correct. Well, washing and then once with dirt. But this is going to come later, not in that, not in, not in this lesson. Not, not the dog's not coming into this lesson. So are we good then for this uh, for this class, guys? Are we done? I think that's a wrap then, boys. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfiruka Allahumma wa tuhbi alaikum wa rahmatullah.